Hey, welcome back to the First Cup Podcast, and we are so thankful that you could join us, and we are so excited for season two of this podcast. Let me just say it off the top, season two is going to be, uh, is going to have more episodes than season one did, going to have different episodes than season one did, but we're going to go back to doing the same things that we we're doing in the beginning, and that is hoping that you can learn something, laugh at something, or be encouraged by something, all in the amount of time it takes for you to finish your first cup of coffee in the morning. Now, I will say this. Some of these episodes this season, um, is gonna be, they're going to be a lot longer than our traditional podcast. And so instead of just finishing your first cup, it's going like, to be like finishing your first pot of coffee. But I'm excited for this season. We're going to bring on some incredible guests, uh, some awesome interviews, some people with different insights into ministry and their businesses and their organizations, different things like that. We're also going to be expanding what we're talking about. So I think last one we talked about, last season we talked a lot about leadership and this season we're going to, of course, talk about leadership. And we're also going to be talking about entrepreneurship, what it means to be a creative and try to make a living off of your um, off of your art and some of the pitfalls that I made and some of the successes that I had along the journey, please keep this in mind that in no way, shape or form am I an authority on business or creativity or photography or videography or anything like that. I just want to share some principles and some things that I learned along the way that hopefully can help you out as well. So why don't we do this before we jump into our featured coffee of the episode, do us a huge favor. Head over to iTunes and drop a review. Look, you can give us a one star or a five star. I don't really care. Just give us a review, please. It helps us so much. And while you're there, head over to the comments. Let us know what you love about the con- uh, the, the podcast. And uh, let us know which coffee you think we should feature next. So with that being said, today I am sipping out of my fellow mug I'm, I'm drinking the coffee from Good People Coffee Roasters out of Santa Monica here in Los Angeles. And um, if you're curious, you can go to goodpeoplecoffeeco.com and you can purchase any of the roasts straight from there. But today it's a roast called the Artie Roast and it's from Ethiopia Sadamo. And let me tell you, this thing is incredible. Right up front, it's aromatic. It has some awesome notes, uh, just like fruity flavors. It, it reminds me of... I don't know if you guys grew up going to restaurants or maybe your grandma had a drawer full of these. Like my Filipino grandma, she always had a drawer full of candy, but not like, you know, traditional candy. There was no Hershey's Kisses. There was no Kit Kats. It was like, you know, orange circus peanuts, like the foam ones. Uh, they at least look like foam. And then there was like the the hard candy strawberries that had like the, you know, the, the wrapper looked like a strawberry. And when you bit into it, there was like a strawberry jelly in the middle. This coffee tastes like strawberries. And on the back end, there's like some like, um, some like chocolate and some, I don't know what type of nut, but it has like kind of like a nutty tone about it as well. But the longer you let it sit in the cup, the more strawberry fruit for it it gets. I've really enjoyed this. And to be honest, I've really enjoyed Good People Coffee uh, for a while now. And uh, I look forward to the rest of the roasts. I will say this too. Look, we are not sponsored by any of these coffee shops. So when I'm talking about this, I'm not biased towards it. This is just my personal opinion. And I, to be honest, I probably won't feature coffee on here that I also don't enjoy. So a little bit of background before we get started um, on today's episode. 
I am a photographer and content creator here in Los Angeles, and um, I'm also plugged in at Zoe Church, and I was on staff at Zoe for a little bit, um, doing some video stuff, photography stuff, marketing, and also leading their college. And my wife and I moved down to Los Angeles about six years ago just to be a part of what Pastor Chad and Pastor Julia Veach are doing here with Zoe Church. And when they planted the church, we just knew that God called us to be a part of it. And so this has kind of um, been a, a journey and an experience of a lifetime. And we've enjoyed, enjoyed this time so much and learned so much as well. Now I am um, taking photos again doing some videos, really leaning, leaning into marketing consultation as well. And on today's podcast, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about a few things that I wish I knew when I first started. Here's the first thing I wish I knew when I first started. I wish I knew it was business in the front and art in the back. You know, like the old school saying goes for the mullet, business in the front, party in the back. Well, the same thing applies to my business, and probably if you're a creative, your business as well. It's more focusing about business in the beginning and then art later on. I had it flipped when I first started. I thought it was all about the art. I thought it was all about the talent. I thought if I could take the best photo ever, then automatically I would start to get clients that were just clamoring to get my attention, and I would have, you know, to turn people down, I was so busy. So I focused on making sure I was the best photographer possible. I focused on making sure all my gear was was perfect. All my shots were lined up. Everything was good to go. And I realized really quickly that here in Los Angeles and probably in the market that you're in, there are hundreds, thousands of people that are better than me at every single thing that I do. There's better photographers. There's better communicators better videographers, better designers, better public speakers, better pastors. There's better husbands, there's better fathers. Look, you will never be the best. And early on, I wish I would have caught this so I could focus on the business side of things and getting things in order before I focused on the art side of things. You know, I thought it was really interesting. I was reading an interview with John Mayer um, in Guitarist Magazine. And he said that he wasn't particularly fond of his album Continuum, which by the way, is a masterpiece. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. But he knew that he had to make something that people liked so that later he could focus on what he really enjoyed. In other words, he understood this idea that maybe early on, you need to create something. You need to focus on something that you might not enjoy doing as much so that later on, you can really lean into the things that you love and enjoy. See, the tension of being a creative and when I say creative, I mean a photographer, a videographer, a designer, a public speaker, uh, maybe a carpenter, a dancer, an actor, whatever it is in the creative industry. The tension of being a creative for a living is that your business and your art often become at odds with one another. Um, I've had, I don't know, dozens of clients whose vision for their product and their service and their brand didn't match up with my preference. And if I would have been stuck in my own artistic um, language or my own artistic preferences, I never would have gotten clients, especially early on. I have to understand really quickly that this is first a business and I'm providing a service for my customers and my clients. I'm not trying to use their platforms as my um, art gallery, if you will. But this is what I understood really quickly is that... 
if you only focus on your talent, you're gonna miss out on most clients. I don't know if you have a friend or if this is you or if you've read on Twitter or you've seen on Instagram these incredible photographers. I mean, unreal talent. And this is in every industry. These people that deserve you know, the audition to get called back, these people that deserve for their uh, photos to be paid for and to be promoted, these people who have a music gift that deserves to have a platform, but for some reason they cannot get a platform. It's because you gotta focus on the business side of this stuff. Now, when I say business side of these things, what I'm really saying is focus on these three areas, your professionalism, your ability to get clients, and your drive. You gotta focus on your professionalism, your ability to get clients, and your drive. Those three things will set you apart from your competition. Now let's start with uh, professionalism. What I mean by professionalism is how you hold yourself as you present yourself to your clients, right? Uh, You'd be shocked at how much value good communication adds to your business, to your brand, to your leadership, to your reputation. Simple things like answering emails quickly and with good grammar. When I say good grammar, I mean like periods, commas, exclamation points, capital letters. Don't make your emails and your pitches look like one big old block of words, right? Break it up a little bit. Add a little bit of design. Use bullet points. Remember, you're probably not going to have the attention of whoever your prospective client is for very long, make sure right away in your emails, it's professional enough that you, they know exactly what you're asking for from the very beginning. Here's another piece uh, of professionalism. Never be late. In fact, be early. If you have a meeting somewhere, no matter what happens, do not be late. Plan to get there half an hour early. Sit in your car if you have to. Get there 10 minutes early. Get to the coffee shop early Ask what they want to drink before they even come in. I promise you, this, these small details will set you apart from the rest of the competition. And it's so simple. Look, maybe you run into something in traffic. I'm in Los Angeles, okay? There's a lot of traffic everywhere. There's probably going to be a good chance that there's a, an accident, a brush fire, a, you know, someone running across the highway. Who knows? But for whatever reason, there might be a reason why I'm late. This is so simple. If you are late, pick up your hands-free phone in your car. Don't pick it up. Just you know, press the thing on you know, you know, on the car. Siri, ask Siri, whatever it is, and let them know that you're going to be late and why you're going to be late. And make sure you apologize for being late. The other thing is communicating promptly and always in a tone that it is an honor to be working with that client, brand, or individual. You'll be shocked. You'll be blown away by how much humility will open up a door for your life, for your business, for your brand. Look, it always looks unattractive on someone when it feels like it is a chore for them to work with you. No, it should feel like you are so excited, you are so honored, you are so privileged to have the opportunity to work with whoever your client is. Maybe it's like a big time make or break once in a lifetime client. You should treat them the same way you treat your first ever, you know, family portrait session, whatever that looks like. It should be an honor to work for those people. But I see a ton of creatives on Twitter and in my own life who I talk to and they talk to me about how poorly uh, their clients treat them. 
And I'm just convinced people will only treat you how you tell them to treat you. In other words, if you're not professional, you're not going to be treated professionally. If you constantly show up late, you want to know who else is going to show up late? Your clients, your relationships. If you don't send email back in a timely manner, you're not going to get an email back in a timely manner. People will only treat you how you tell them to treat you. I've heard this so many times. I'm just waiting for an invoice to come in. It's been a month. It's been two months. Well, did you create a contract uh, up front that said if they miss a 30-day deadline or 14-day or deadline that they are charged a fee because they've missed the deadline? People will only treat you according to the way that you tell them to treat you. But that's why we got to get this dialed in first and foremost. you got to understand that your business is the most important part of your brand. Because once you have that dialed in, once your professionalism is set up, once you've done what it takes to get clients, and I'll be talking about what I've done in the past to get clients here coming up, but once you've figured out how to get clients and you know that your drive and your commitment is in place, all of a sudden, you can actually focus on the things that you really love. You can focus on your art. You can focus on your talent. You can focus on your bucket list shop. But first, I wish I would have known I, would, I should have put my business before I put my, fart, my, my art. Wow. Okay, let's move on. Number two, you can either let setbacks shape you or scar you. You can either let setbacks shape you or scar you. Now, we're recording this podcast and it is the end of July in the year 2020. This is perhaps the greatest reminder in my life this year that setbacks come quickly, unexpectedly, and repeatedly. In other words, when it rains, it pours. Now, if you're creative and you do this for a living, you probably understand the term or the phrase. It's either feast or famine because in this industry, it's so easy to get a job or a client or a gig or a contract that pays off big in but sometimes it's few and far between, right? You're living from gig to gig to gig. And if you're not careful, you, you will allow the low times, the valley times to scar you instead of shape you. But that's the thing. It's our choice. You get the choice to allow your setbacks to shape you or to scar you. I wish I would have known this early on. I wish I would have allowed things to shape me faster and not scar me so quickly. Because watch this. When, you're, when you get scarred, it's something that happens where you can look at it and each time you look at it, it reminds you of the pain that you went through and it causes you to be a little camera shy, pun intended, or trigger shy moving forward. Now, I don't think it's you know a coincidence or maybe that's exactly what it is, but notice you can't spell scared without scar. See, if we're not careful, all of a sudden something happens in our life, we have a setback, and now we're afraid to try again because we're afraid of the pain that we experienced the first time around. Maybe for you it's a relationship, maybe it's your business, maybe it's an opportunity, maybe for you you're listening to this and it's your first attempt at ministry and you failed and now you're scarred instead of allowing those experiences to shape you. Now this is what it looked like, failure looked like for me uh, when I first started my business. So I started my business and you know I was so excited to go full-time freelance. Like I've officially made it. I quit my job at Nordstrom. 
I had enough gigs to officially outpay what I was making at Nordstrom. The only problem was, was that I had more clients for that month, but I didn't have uh, reoccurring payments in, uh, you know, to be expected. So I had, you know, maybe 10 or 11 shoots that month and I was so excited. I was making more money than I was at my full-time job at Nordstrom. So now I quit my job at Nordstrom, packed it up in Santa Monica and said, peace, see you later. Now I don't have to take my bike and ride to work and home from work every day. I can actually do the things that I was really passionate about and that's become a full-time freelance content creator. The issue was I spent more time trying to find clients than I did actually providing content for clients. See, once that initial month, two months passed, I, my clientele basically disappeared. And I had to humble myself and say, okay, this was a failed attempt at going full-time freelance. Now I need to get a part-time job to supplement my content business. And I remember being, um, you know, to be frank, I was ashamed. I was a little embarrassed. You know, I had told my friends that I was full. I was a full-time photographer, and now it had an asterisk next to it. Yeah, you know, I'm a full-time photographer. You know, but just I work uh, at a coffee shop on the side. Just you know, because I really love coffee, not because I have to. You know, like, I just found myself starting to say really stupid things because I was scarred by my experience. But praise God, I didn't let that stop me. I began to shift my business from a shoot to shoot model, and I, sh I changed it to trying to find monthly retainers. And that's where all of a sudden I started to shoot coffee shops and I started to, to uh, grab some retail experience, not retail experience as in like I'm selling things retail, but I started to shoot in retail locations and take photos for businesses, uh, smaller businesses. And I found a model that worked for me month to month reoccurring payments. And I was able to build up my business from, you know, maybe a thousand dollars a month to 10,000 plus a month just from having reoccurring uh uh, reoccurring businesses that I was creating content for and I had a wedding business, a wedding photography business on the side. Now it didn't just, you know, all of a sudden show up, these clients show up for me, but because I had this failure, I was able to see what worked and didn't work. Now, when I had gone full-time freelance the first time, my strategy to get new clients was to cold call. Now, if you've never cold called before, it is the most humiliating, the most frustrating, the most embarrassing thing in the world. Now, let me ask you this. Before AT&T and the iPhone showed that it was a spam call, have you ever answered a spam call only to realize that they're just trying to sell you something so you hung up in their face? That is exactly what happened to me. I was the other guy on the line spamming people to try to get business I was cussed at, I was yelled at, I was ignored, I was hung up on, and probably one for every 100 calls I made was there actually any interest. Now, I didn't just make some cold calls. I found a directory of every LLC that was started in Los Angeles, and I just started at A. I called every type, I, I called apothecaries, I called, um, you know, Pilates studios and gyms. I called retail stores. I called, it did not matter. I was going to pitch creating content for you. And I failed miserably. I mean, not only was I beat down morally and I didn't have a lot of wind in my sales. It was embarrassing. I just didn't get any clients, right? All of that would have been worth it if I got some clients. So then I shifted. And I, instead I said, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start going to 
the actual brick and mortar locations here locally in Los Angeles. I'm going to meet some people. I'm going to purchase a coffee. I'm going to purchase a sandwich, whatever it was. And I'm also going to ask to meet the chef or the manager or whoever was in, whoever was there. So I could just make a face impression with them. So that way when I direct message them on Instagram, they would know who they were talking about. Well, again, no, no shock. I didn't get very many replies, even though I, I mean, I would go to business after business after business. I didn't get a ton. So I allowed that to shape me again as well. I started emailing people and I found that I could email a lot more people than I could DM on Instagram. And I could uh, not just, I didn't have to go to the actual retail locations. I could just email people all across Los Angeles, all across the, the country and start to generate business that way. Well, all of a sudden I noticed that for every hundred emails I sent, I'd get about 40 responses back. That's a 40% success rate. That doesn't mean 40 clients, but 40% return rate on my, on my emails. I think I was onto something. So then I transitioned once again and I allowed it to shape me even further and I started to put together a pitch deck. So now when I had contact with an email or, or, or a business and all of a sudden they sent me an email back, I knew right away exactly what I was asking to do and how much value I could add to each one of those businesses. I would shoot them over a pitch deck that had you know, every a breakdown of everything they need to know, how much it costs, what I would provide, these are the deliverables, this is the timetables, here's two different packages for photos, here's another package that include video, everything all together in one, and all of a sudden, I found that my business was picking up like crazy. A little side note, for the photographers or content creators that are looking for local businesses uh, that you can create content for, photos, videos, whatever it is, here's a little hack that I did. I would go into a coffee shop, uh, with my camera and I would just order a drink and I would ask if they, if they minded if I took pictures while they're making my drink. Well, what they didn't know was, is I, I was undercover. I was creating content so I could go home and in the pitch deck, I would take a screenshot of their Instagram and put it on one side and then on the other side to compare it. I would take all the photos I took and put them into a fake Instagram of their same profile and then showed them side by side, this is what potentially your social media could look like. And time after time, this worked for me so many times. I encourage you, if you're a photographer or you're making content, do this for them right now, and I promise you it's gonna help out. But I allowed my failures to shape me and allow my business to become functional instead of scar me and allow, allow my business to stop where it is. Now, this is what I know is that scars take a long time to heal. So do yourself a favor. Don't allow it to scar. Don't allow your setbacks to become scars that you look at and pain follows. Take those things as learning lessons and move on from there. Oftentimes, success is found by those whose organizations are molded to meet the needs of the environment that they're in. Now, if you fail, that's just an indication that you're not meeting the need of the environment that your industry is in. It's time to make a pivot. Right? It's time to make a shift. Now, inevitably, we're all going to hit setbacks. We're all going to hit low times. And um, it's going to be difficult for you. But you have to remember this. The valleys are always more fertile than the peaks. It's in the valleys and it's in the low moments that actually gives you the growth you need to ascend. It's never the other way around. No one is ever on the top of success 
and all of a sudden goes, man, these are all the ways I can grow from here. No, it's when you fail, it's when you are when you have a setback, it's when you're in a valley that you have the opportunity in the margin to grow and take you to places higher than you've ever been before. I wish I knew early on that my setbacks could shape me and not just hurt me and scar me. Okay, number three, invest in yourself early and keep your investment for as long as possible. Now, I'm not gonna lie, this point is very, it's as practical as it gets. I've always been really trigger shy when it came to getting new gear for myself or investing in my own business, like getting a website or business cards or anything like that. However, looking back, I can see that every single time I did invest in my business, my business multiplied, right? When I got a new camera, my business doubled. When I got my last new camera, my uh, 5D Mark IV, my, my business almost exploded by five times, right? When I got a new computer, I was able to edit faster. I was able to get more clients. I was able to be a little bit more professional. And when I got business cards, they actually drove more business. When I, when I was a wedding photographer and I went to a wedding convention, I got multiple times the amount of clients and couples that I could shoot for for their weddings than I did previously. Invest in yourself early and keep your investment for as long as possible. Now, when I say keep your investment, this is what I mean, is that you should invest in your gear early on. Now, photographers and designers, videographers, this is probably specifically more for us than it is for different uh, different creators. But early on, invest in your gear. Get the best you can for as cheap as you can. Now, this is what I wouldn't recommend for people is that I wouldn't recommend anyone going into ridiculous amounts of debt. Don't do that to yourself. You're going to end up paying bills for a long time. You know, maybe your business is a breakout business and you're able to pay those off rather quickly. I'm not afraid of a little bit of debt, but don't go so ridiculously far into debt that your business is just paying for itself. Make sure that you get the best gear you can for as little money as possible. And then do not upgrade that gear. Do not buy more gear unless you absolutely have to. Invest in your gear early on, master your gear, then move on only if the value that it gives you is less than the value that you need. I'll say that again. Move on only if the value that it gives you is less than the value that you need. I'll give you three reasons why you shouldn't upgrade. Number one, because something new came out. Do not upgrade because something new came out. If you play this game of keeping up with the Joneses, you will never actually keep up with the Joneses, especially, especially if you're an Apple individual, right? You're gonna be buying a new computer every year, a new phone every year, new AirPods every year. Just don't play the game. Who cares if something new came out? Is what you have now broken or is it dysfunctional? If it's not, then you absolutely don't need to upgrade. Number two, don't you shouldn't upgrade because someone told you to just because someone more experienced than you says that they like their camera more and that you could get so much more out of a camera or this uh, tablet or this lens than you could ever get with what you have so now you need to go spend thousands of dollars on, up, on upgrading your gear you absolutely don't need to do that the best gear you have is the gear that is on you at the moment don't do it just because someone told you to do it and number three why you shouldn't upgrade. Don't upgrade because you're bored. Just because you're bored with your equipment is not a good reason for you to upgrade it. 
right? You should only upgrade if the value is there. Now, let me give you three reasons why you should upgrade. Number one, you should upgrade if your gear is ratchet. Now, what I mean by ratchet is that you literally have to take a ratchet and tighten things into place because your gear is falling apart, right? This is a good reason why you should upgrade is that your gear is making weird sounds when you use it, that it is literally falling apart, that you cannot use it, it does not function anymore. Okay, now is the time for you to upgrade. The second reason why you should upgrade is that your gear can't give you the value that's being asked of you. In other words, maybe you have your business has grown to a place where uh, you need to start shooting video or you need to start shooting a certain level quality of photos and your gear cannot match the value in which is being asked of you. Now when I say value, I mean this, is that you're being asked to do some gigs or you're being asked for an opportunity that's gonna pay you more than your current camera is worth or pay you more so that you can actually invest in a good camera. Remember what I said, I wish I would have invested more in myself early so that I can really lean into my business and not have to worry later on. So maybe that's it. Maybe you're getting a gig that's like, wow, this gig, if I can get this gig, it'll actually allow me to purchase gear to fulfill the thing, right? If you're spending more money on rentals than you would on actually investing in gear that is gonna work for you, then that's a good sign that you should upgrade. And last one, number three, why why should uh, why you should upgrade is your need to is that you need to add gear to expand the business. Again, this kind of falls into the last one, is that the only other reason that you should upgrade is that you actually need more gear so that you can expand your business, right? I started as a photographer, then I moved into a little bit of videography, then I moved into a little bit of design. So that, uh, that forced me to need a little bit more than I had when I was just a photographer. So I had to actually upgrade my gear and get more gear because uh, my, my business was expanding. I wish I would have known early on to invest in myself early. And I don't just mean gear, okay? I'll extend this. I wish I would have invested in my education as well, right? Find a you know, a Skillshare website or lynda.com or masterclass, whatever it is, you will never regret investing in yourself because if you invest in yourself now, you're gonna pay dividends in your life later on. So this is part one of things I wish I knew when I first got started. We're gonna be doing part two on our next podcast and I'm so excited, but let us know, let me know in the comments what you enjoyed about this, if you have any questions. And I'm so pumped, First, the first cup is back, season two, and we're just getting started. I hope you enjoy your cup and have a good one. We out.